0: Hello and welcome to The Rundown, a podcast from Politics Home. I'm your host, Alan Tolhurst, and with me to discuss the issues facing Swell Braverman Bravman and the Home Office in tackling the migrant crisis are three fantastic guests. Labour's Shadow Immigration Minister, Stephen Kinnock, Tory MP and member of the Home Affairs Select Committee, Tim Lawton, and Lucy Morton, National Officer for the Immigration Services Union. So... Starting with the kind of an overview of of where we find ourselves this week, obviously, the stories at the weekend about overcrowding at the Manston processing facility, Um, there was a terrible incident with an attack, with someone with petrol bombs, Swala Bradman, the Home Secretary, was accused of not signing off hotels to move people away from that facility. she had to come to the, the, the Commons this week, and she created some uproar with her comments. Um, you know, Tim, you've listened to evidence from inspectors who've been to Manson Your Committee and you were due to visit the site today. Instead, we know the Home Secretary will be going there now. Can you just explain what's kind of happened there and, and, and how we've got to this point, do you think?
1: Well, Manston was a facility which was opened earlier this year to take the pressure off Dover and Tughaven, where a lot of the migrant boats were coming ashore, and it was completely um, inadequate. So we went to visit it, the Home Fair Select Committee, earlier in the summer, where actually it was quite impressive. It was, there weren't many people there. The facilities were pretty good. There were play areas for children, um, and actually it was fit for, for purpose. But within a few months... The absolute pressure of numbers coming through and the big surge we've seen in the last couple of months in, in particular, and that's tied up with a lot more Albanian um, citizens uh, coming here, has meant that a facility which is really only designed for 1, 1,500 people as a processing centre to get three people through in 24 hours, 48 hours tops, has become a longer term uh, residence with up to at one stage, I think it almost hit uh, 4,000, that's eased off now. And it was just not built and designed for that uh, for that purpose so there's a problem with the numbers coming in there's a problem with the lack of speed of processing people and getting them onto more sustainable Longer-term accommodation, whilst their claims are being uh, processed, and, and Manston is in the eye of that uh, storm, as it uh, as it were. And that's why it's hitting the news at the moment, and something urgently needs to be done.
0: Mm. Yeah, Lucy. Obviously, your members uh, work for the Border Force, and you know we're hearing that numbers are starting to to come down. But can you explain what's been happening? And, and a large part of it is this accusation around um, the inability of the Home Office to sign off on hotel rooms to move people into. Obviously, it was a process that was happening over the course of this year, and it seemed to to come to a bit of a halt, So Bravman has denied that she's not been signing that off. But, but what have your staff been saying on the ground, and what's been what's the kind of situation that you, that, uh, that your members have been facing?
2: Slowly, the situation with uh, accommodation onward—be that hotels, local authority accommodation, uh, immigration removal centres where relevant, and also prisons on occasion—that pipeline of onward accommodation has stuttered and slowed, and then effectively ceased. Uh, altogether some weeks ago now, um, whether that was an issue with contracting, whether it was a political issue, whether it was just one of the consequences of the political instability of the last few months, um, we we don't know. But the impact of that, the result of that has been uh, that we can't move the numbers out of Manston that were coming into it so slowly. Uh, and as Tim rightly says, over the last few months from summer, uh, those numbers have crept up and up. And first, we had you know a thousand overnight, and that was unprecedented. Then it was two thousand, then it was three thousand, uh, and it topped out just over four thousand people. Um, many of whom had been there in excess of four weeks. So it's not just the numbers that we're holding overnight, it's the length of time that these individuals are being held for. It was only ever designed for 24 hours max.
0: Mm. Yes Stephen obviously there's been some pretty incredible reports of kind of squalid conditions you know what's what's Labour's as view of this and 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 why under this Home Secretary in her first short stint and then since she's returned to the Home Office why that has, has happened?
3: Well we're very pleased that the government and the Home Secretary particularly who, when she made her statement uh in the chamber last uh, a few days ago um, recognised many, many times and stated very, very clearly that the asylum system is broken. Of course, we've had consecutive co- conservative governments for 12 years now. So um, as Keir Starmer, I think, rightly asked the question, well, she says the asylum system is broken. Who does she think broke it? Uh, who does the prime minister think broke it? So it, it is broken. And And perhaps some of the most disturbing aspects of this are, you know, outbreaks of diphtheria and scabies and people living in utterly squalid conditions that we just should not be seeing in a civilised country in, in 2022. Um, we all recognise that this is a very, very complex issue. And um, there are clearly major backlogs in the, the entire system. Processing has dropped off a cliff in the last few years, and it, it needs to be fixed. Um, I, I think what the, the Home Secretary would be well advised, I think, to try not to do quite as much polarising and making pretty incendiary statements, and rather just say, "Look, we here are some practical ideas and solutions around what we need to do to fix this system." And I actually think she would get, some, you know, that we could have a more constructive debate if there was less of the kindergarten politics that we've been seeing. So I, I hope that now we can start to get on top of the issues in Manston, and we can start to do some of the hard graft that's required about getting some proper governance around the entire system, getting a more constructive relationship with France, and I hope beginning to really tackle these issues.
0: Mm. Yeah, Tim, were you happy with some of the, what's been described as sort of inflammatory language that Sweller-Brubman talked about, an invasion on the southern coast? There have also been warnings from Kent leaders about a rise in far-right activity in the county after the, the petrol bomb attack, which is now being investigated by anti-terror police. You know, even a, a minister this morning, Graham Stewart, admitted that their unfortunate language had been used. I just wondered what you'd made of some of the, the discussions around this.
1: Well, I think a lot seems to be made of uh, language. And I actually seem to remember a former Labour Home Secretary using uh, similar uh, language. I'm not really interested in that. What I'm interested in, Mm. uh, as Stephen quite rightly says, is some sensible Solutions and practical uh, solutions coming forward, and how we deal with this uh, uh, with this problem. And and there are three aspects to this problem. And it is, again, as Stephen said, quite right. It is it is really technical and and complex. And of course, Mm -hmm. many of our constituents think it's as easy as oh, why don't you just push the the boats back, or just not let them um, land here, or go and take them back to France. That would be great if it were remotely possible. And of course, it's not. We have a duty of care to people arriving in uh, British territorial waters, and and the French won't take them back. So. At the, at, the, at the front end up oh upstream, we have got to have a more constructive and practical uh, relationship and discussion with the with the French. We've put forward the Home Affairs Select Committee, some solutions which I discussed with some uh, French senators uh, earlier last uh, year uh, about if the French would agree to intercept the boats or would actually detain those people getting into the, the water because it's all very well them saying, oh, they've stopped 28,000 migrants actually getting in the water. Well, they don't arrest them. They just confiscate the boat. They're free to go. They disappear into the, uh, into the beach and learn they're back there the following the following night. So they're actually intercepting a smaller proportion of the increased number of migrants who are then uh, making it across the uh, the channel. We have made suggestions that if the if the French would agree properly to to intercept and take them to their reception centres, which we are paying for in part as well, and then they can apply for asylum in France or potentially in some cases in the UK if they have got a claim to the uh, to the to the UK, um, then actually that could stop this whole vile trade with the people smugglers um, stone cold if they would uh, intercept the boats. So they're paying money to people smugglers only to end up back where they where they started. I think in return, the French would have to agree they've got to do far better at then deporting those people who have no claim to be in France or in the uh, in the UK. The second thing very quickly is we've got to speed up the whole process. I mean, yeah. it's, it's taking far too long. And these people, whatever their claims may be, justified or, or not, are in limbo and it's clogging up ho- hotels, it's not sustainable, it's not good for uh, for them, it's not good for our constituents and taxpayers complaining about uh, all of this. And then thirdly, we've got to have a much better, much speedier System to then deport those whose claims have failed, and there's a whole argument around, you know, the human rights appeals and how that can be um, speeded up as uh, as well. So, uh, on every front, this has has to be tackled. It can't just be a bit of tinkering at upstream or a bit of tinkering downstream. There's got to be a really holistic and concerted effort to to get on top of this. And the Home Office really has got to step up and be fit for purpose to do that. Which, despite all the great efforts of Lucy's um, members, I'm afraid structurally it's just not working.
0: No. Uh, Lucy, as Tim points out there, there's obviously processing figures, uh, as you Kirstan know, pointed out in, in Prime Minister's question as well, of really low, something like 4% last year. You know, what do you, your members need to kind of solve this? You know, and what's the kind of long term solution? There's reports of you being redeployed from all over the country to try and help with this. But is it just simply a case of the needs to be more people involved in the process um, to be able to get rid of these backlogs and actually start to get the process moving again?
2: What we've lacked for some time is a a really strategic approach to this. Um, Everything for the last two and a bit years has been predicated on the presumption that somehow there will be some solution that will turn off the tap. The French will intercept them, they don't. Mm. We can turn the boats back, we can't. Um, We can send them all to Rwanda. We haven't and other countries that have used that solution have proved that that doesn't work either. What none of that has done is looked at, well, what can we do in the UK? What can we do that we can control? And to put a really strategic approach to it, just to give you a really sort of simple example. At the beginning of the year, there was a prediction as to how many individuals would arrive using this route this year. And the worst case scenario was 60,000. We've had 40,000 now, but we've run out of accommodation. So if we knew at the beginning of the year that we were looking at maybe 60,000, but no process was put in place to ensure that we could accommodate these individuals, that basic strategy has failed. And in the long term, that's what we very much need. Tim is absolutely right about resourcing, getting the decisions through quickly, getting the court process through quickly, um, being able to maintain a, a, a location of where these folk are. And then if they don't qualify pick them up and remove them quickly. And that's not just resourcing the Home Office, that's resourcing the Ministry of Justice as well, because delays in the court system are as much of this frustration as anything else is.
0: Mm, yes, Stephen, it feels as though the, the government's claim that, you know, this is unprecedented, this wasn't what was predicted, doesn't really stack up, given that the numbers are within what was being predicted earlier this year. I've spoken to former Home Office advisor who said that, you know, there's too much short-termism and that, you know, this hotel situation, we're getting to the point where it's, I think it's something like £6 million a day. And, and although it's right to sort of focus on alternatives, as Sola has talked about, you can't ignore that legal duty you have to people arriving.
3: Yeah, I I think we're all going to violently agree uh, on this podcast. Actually, I absolutely agree with what both Tim and Lucy were saying about the need for uh, a multifaceted approach. There isn't one single silver bullet on any of this. It It requires all of these measures to be taken. I mean, one one area where I, th- I think I probably differ with Tim is on the Rwanda plan. I, I think the Rwanda plan is unworkable, unethical and unaffordable. And I worry that it's becoming a distraction, which is actually gumming the process up even more because the inadmissibility parts of that are actually creating more bureaucracy Uh, and more uh, backlog in the system, we would cancel the Rwanda plan and we would channel the money that's already been wasted on that, £140 million so far given to Rwanda, into massively upgrading the resourcing of the National Crime Agency. We'd create a a unit within the agency. Um, We we believe we could recruit up to 100 experts that would work with um, Europol and the French and the Belgians, the Dutch, and also, of course, the Albanians in terms of really cracking down on these uh, criminal gangs. Then around the resourcing of the Home Office, caseworkers, decision makers, there's a clear case there to be transferring funding into more caseworkers and decision makers and also uh, resourcing local authorities properly. I mean, if you look at the Homes for Ukraine scheme, each Ukrainian took with them a budget of £10,000 to each local authority that they went to you know, I think we need to have a debate about how we can support local authorities so that we can get people out of the hotels. And of course, in the end, that's a net saving to the taxpayer, because we're currently squandering £7 million a day uh, on these hotels. So let's support local authorities, get them out of hotels. And then as uh, both Tim and Lucy have rightly said, we've got to get a more grown up and constructive relationship with France, both so that we can get more cooperation on the security side around people smugglers, but also uh, a returns agreement so that those who do not succeed
0: in their application for asylum can be removed rapidly. Mm. So that's obviously part of Labour's uh, sort of alternative plan. Obviously, this issue dominated Prime Minister's questions this week. Rishi Sunak accused Keir Starmer of, of not having a plan. Uh, what's your kind of response to the suggestion that your party favours so-called open borders?
3: Well, I just don't see any evidence for that at all. We've been we've made it very clear, not just on this issue, that um, the security of our borders is the primary responsibility of any government. Uh, And on work-based migration, which I know is a slightly different topic, but I know we sometimes get accused of of wanting a a return to free movement of Labour. Keir Starmer could not have made it clearer in his speech at the Irish embassy a couple of months ago. And uh, in his conference speech, he stated in terms, we will not go back to the free movement of Labour. We believe in the points-based immigration system. By the way, Labour brought in the points-based immigration system in 2008 for non-EU citizens. Um, and what we want to do actually is improve uh, and build on the points-based system um, to make it work more effectively for our economy. But I suspect, uh, Alan, that's that's the subject for a podcast on another day, although, of course, very happy to discuss
0: it. <laughs> yeah, well, I have, have to get you back on that. Lucy, obviously, there's been some talk about how these things are going to be resolved, what the long-term solution is. If it's not going to be hotels, it's other sort of accommodation, but there's there was that site that was meant to be up in, in Yorkshire, Lintana News, that's not going to happen. You know, what have you seen in terms of what those sort of long-term solutions could be. And, you know, what are you sort of looking for in terms of stability, I suppose, from the Home Office and, and kind of a focused plan on, on, on fixing some of this stuff?
2: These things are so multifaceted that it's really, it, it, it is an almost insuperable challenge. If there was an easy answer to this, a Home Secretary of whichever political colour would have thought of it by now. Uh, the, the paper ideal would be an adequate site where we can accommodate people um, for a few months only, while their mm. applications are considered and their ap- appeals go through. And then you know where they are. They they are housed. They have access to services. They have access to legal advice. Everything that our international obligations give us. Um, but we also know where they are. They're very easy, if they don't qualify, to then pick up and return to whatever country is appropriate. Um, Certainly a returns policy, uh, not just with France, but with uh, wider Europe, because a lot of these individuals have come through there. But also, a fair number of them have claimed asylum there already and been unsuccessful and have travelled on. Mm. Um, But where would you put it? This is a small island. Nobody wants that centre in their back garden. No one, quite fairly, wants to give up farmland for that. Um, We need that for food security. Uh, There there are disused bases like Manston, but understandably the local people object to the planning of it. and So trying to fit the, the paper-based solution into our relatively small island it is really difficult. So does that then lend itself to, well, okay, if we can't fit them into this island, can we put them somewhere else? But no country has ever made success of offshoring
0: uh, it's a silent process. No, actually, uh, yeah, I was going to come on to. That. Obviously, we've got the the Daily Express front page today. It's that usual pattern of suggesting countries to partner with on deportations, only to see that country reject the idea out of hand. The Rwanda plan still looking unlikely to ever happen. Uh, Tim, what do you do? You favour this kind of offshore uh, plan, and if so, how is any government going to get it off the ground?
1: Well, it's it's not easy, and I'm and the Rwanda plan is. By no means um, ideal, and the whole point of the Rwanda plan is it for to act as a deterrent. So effectively, somebody coming across the uh, the channel, it will be a, a lottery as to whether they end up in a hotel in Kent or on a plane to um, Rwanda, which might make them think um, twice about. Paying money to end up in Rwanda, which they didn't want to go to in the in the first place. Now the problem is, it's fraught with problems. It was always going to have lots of legal challenges, which is what has prevented any planes getting off the ground um, now. So that whole deterrent factor isn't there. In fact, if anything, you you could say that it's made the situation worse because you've got people smugglers um, encouraging. Uh, migrants to come across before that plan does get off the uh, the ground. So right. in the short term there was actually an a, an incentive for for more people to come across <laughs> the, the channel. So I mean I don't know whether it's going to work or, or not but frankly it's one of the only possible practical uh, solutions and deterrents a part solution is only part of the whole this complex uh, problem and until we actually get clearance for planes to take off. And the message clearly gets out that this is now an option that it could affect people. It's not going to have that deterrent uh, factor. Stephen quite rightly has, has said their party is uh, against it. That's not helpful. That's adding, I think, to the feeling though, uh, you know, it's never going to happen therefore let's get across the channel as soon as uh, possible. I, I want to see it happen If uh, and if not with Rwanda, there are other potential countries where some of the human rights criticisms uh, would not necessarily um, apply. But it is just one part of a really complex problem. And the, the, the reason the system is absolutely being overwhelmed now is, I think most are agreed, this this big surge in Albanian citizens coming here in the last couple of uh, couple of months. That 12,000, more than 12,000 now, against just 52 years uh, ago. And yet what's changed in Albania over two years? Absolutely nothing. It's not a, a country of the civil war. It's not a country of the human rights uh, abuse. It's a candidate country to join the uh, the EU. We have an agreement with Albania about cooperating to process uh some of the people coming over with the help of officials from albania co-located over over here there should not be a problem with sending sending them back to albania and the comments by the prime minister mm. i think um it, it's in our mutual interest to sort this it cannot be helpful to a country where they are losing almost two percent of their male population as as dan omani calculated from uh, border force the other uh, the other other day um Why are people Mm. trying to leave Albania? That's not in Albania's um, interest. So we've got to get this sorted. And if we can fast track those Albanian claims, where I suspect the vast majority, particularly of single men, will not count to have uh, legitimate asylum uh, claims, it will take some of the pressure off the system. So we can use Manston and others with a much swifter, more efficient uh, throughput properly to look at those people who do have a genuine claim and will we have a duty of, of care to give them safe haven here and can make long-term um, uh, permanent arrangements for them but they are being shunted to the back of the queue by this big surge of people who frankly are, are in most cases not genuine asylum seekers.
0: Yeah just to follow up on on the pressure I, I reported yesterday on lots of council leaders in Kent being really frustrated with um, yeah, them feel that like they're being Disproportionately affected by this, with all they the are. stuff, and yeah. uh, you're an MP just along the, in the coast in, in West Sussex. Can you sort of understand that frustration? And do you think that there does need to be, you know, uh, a use of the rest of the country to deal with some of these problems, rather than blaming it all on Kent, or literally, or even all to Kent to deal with?
1: Kent has been on the front line for years. I mean, they've been on the front line of of safeguarding children for years because they've they've been a repository, I'm afraid, of a lot of London boroughs placing uh, kids not uh, not just migrant kids, but other children in the care system uh, in. In Kent, disproportionately the impact that has on Kent's children's social services, on Kent schools has been huge, and they're in the front line, obviously, of people coming across the uh, the Channel. First of all, when it was coming in lorries or on Eurostar, and now coming across in, uh, in 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 dinghies. So Kent is completely overwhelmed and are doing an incredible job in really really challenging circumstances. So we have a displacement scheme so that many other local authorities are now taking some of the uh, uh, some of the people coming across and they they need to. But, you know, the, the huge pressure on hotels in, in Kent now coming across the border into East Sussex and, and West Sussex, we're seeing a lot of our hotels are being uh, uh, snapped up. That's having an impact on our economy, on our tourist economy and everything else as, uh, as well. So Kent is taking the brunt of it. But this is something where we need a national Uh, solution, something that is sustainable and that permanently looks after those uh, people who really do have a genuine claim to be here uh, that we welcome and want to be able to look after uh, safely and can rapidly chance it out those people who are frankly, in some cases, gaming the system.
0: Yeah, Stephen. There's, the Manston numbers do seem to be coming down now, but there's obviously there's a clear tension between uh, Sola Bravman and your opposite number, the Immigration Minister Robert Jenrick. Do you think, you know, she's still got the security issues hanging over her? Do you think that Bravman is should be able to stay in that position? Is she the right person to be able to try and deal with these problems?
3: Well, it's would be very worrying if the relationship between Sola Bravman and her security services, um, particularly MI5. Were to break down because they were they felt they were not able to trust her to keep confidential information confidential. Yeah, and I think ultimately that is a matter for the prime minister and the cabinet secretary. I think they need we need to get to the bottom of whether or not Suela Braverman can be trusted with confidential information. And and if she can't, then she should clearly not be the home secretary of our country, um, in charge of national security. Just a, a word on on the Albanian uh, situation. Yeah. Uh, I, I I mean I think. We need data and evidence on this. We need to understand how many Albanian people who are coming here are actually even claiming asylum. Because there are a number of indicators that are that many of them are not even trying to claim asylum. I think that the plan appears to be to come here and to melt away into the underground economy.
0: Yeah, the letter from the Kent leaders actually says that a lot of them are leaving the processing centre and then just, you know, sort of disappearing, essentially, into, you know, left at train stations and then they're never sort of heard from again.
3: Yes. Uh, so I, I think we, we just, it's really important in this debate, I think, to not sort of jump to conclusions, to be really clear about who are the Albanians that are coming? Where are they coming from? How many of them are actually coming from Albania or are they coming from other parts of Europe where they may already be living? My understanding is that many of them are men seeking to work in the building and construction industry. So is there conversations we need to have with the building and construction industry in this country and a proper conversation with the Albanian government to understand it? My my understanding is the Albanian government doesn't want to have uh, thousands and thousands of its um, uh, men of working age leaving the country and creating uh, diplomatic and political issues with other countries. But of course... If you go around alienating your partners, if you say, well, we're not sure whether President Macron is a friend or a foe, that's not going to help your dialogue with the French. If you use language like the language of invasion, it's not going to help dialogue with, uh, with uh, the government of Albania. So let's, I think, try and put um, some calming measures into this debate. Let's get the data and the evidence, understand what is going on, and then let's try and find practical and constructive solutions uh, rather than lots of dog whistle and knee jerk politics.
0: Mm. Finally, uh, Lucy, uh, there's sort of further issues at, at Manston happening already. We're seeing a judicial review has been lodged. There were reports uh, over the week that migrants were being moved on but left stranded at Victoria Station. What needs to happen in the short term? We talked a lot about long term solutions. What needs to happen in, in the short term? And 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 what's kind of morale like you know amongst your members at the moment trying to deal with these kind of problems?
2: The the conditions on the site and and the 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 temperature, if you like, of the site, the emotional temperature of the site, Um, it has improved since people have started to move off. So, you know, there is a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. um, But migrants are deeply frustrated. They are very bored. They don't have anything to do. And that leads to them um, arguing amongst themselves. The staff are then being used to try uh, to restore public order, which is not what they are trained for at all. You know, they are not detention custody officers, public order officers, or riot control. Um, you know, it's really frightening for everyone. The fact that people are now starting to move up, off and move out does help. We need that to continue. Um, because of the sheer numbers involved, the difficulties uh, in identifying individuals, we've got to take a lot more care that we're, we're putting the right people on the right buses and heading in the right directions identifying people and continuing that identification throughout a very long and very chaotic process has always been a challenge and migrant a identified on the boat is not necessarily the same migrant a when they arrive at manston who may not be the same migrant a when they arrive at the hotel and of course that just feeds the problem of uh, you know as Stephen said of people just vanishing and it's in some ways, in their interests, do so. Because if you claim asylum and you get fingerprinted, right, short of doing yourself some damage, we are going to know who you are every time you get fingerprinted after that.
0: Mm. Interesting. And um, just finally, Tim, there's a talk of a kind of a resurgence, perhaps of a UKIP style party, if the situation isn't, isn't fixed. As, as a Conservative, what are your kind of thoughts on that?
1: It's the sort of issue that uh, that UKIP and some of the the, the fringe split off parties from from that always love to jump on that uh, that bandwagon. It's it's not helpful. I think Stephen is is right. We need to have a calm and rational and balanced um, approach to this. This is all about finding solutions rather than whipping up uh, vigilante uh, action. As you know, there's a there's a real risk of that uh, mm. happening if we're not uh, careful. And that and that, that lone bomb uh, attack, which fortunately. Uh, didn't um uh, harm uh, anybody but you know we don't want anything further like that getting out of uh, getting out of hand so i think we we all need to work on this together because it's a problem that is not helping uh, uh, anybody and it's not helping other european countries as as well which is why you know i i just don't understand why we've not been able to have a more constructive joint approach with the french when it's in their mutual interest if we can stop Large surges of people heading for the North French coast because the problems that is creating over around uh, Calais, I mean, all the MPs around the Calais area are pulling their their hair out because it's causing huge problems for them as, uh, as 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 well. So coming up with some constructive solutions, of which you know, I put one or two forward that our committee has uh, investigated is in everybody's um, uh, interests. And the same sort of arrangement with uh, with Albania as uh, as as well. The last thing we need is for people taking the law into their own hands, which is why people have got to see that this is being dealt with there are solutions and we're not throwing more and more taxpayers money at hotel accommodation when we've all got loads of constituents uh, been waiting on housing waiting lists for for ages and are, are getting more and more uh, neglected, So that's the fear that it will whip up that uh, that resentment. And yet we have a duty of care, have always been generous in that duty of care. And my constituents are happy with that duty of care to genuine asylum seekers fleeing from uh, danger and persecution. And that does not appear to be the case for the
0: many Albanians at the moment. That's all we've got time for this week. But you can read all the latest on the big stories from Westminster at politicshome.com and keep right up to date by subscribing to our seven day a week newsletters by clicking on the link in the top right hand corner of the website thanks to my fantastic guests stephen kinnock tim lawton and lucy morton and our editor was laura silver thanks to you all again for listening please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review if you want to get in touch then reach out to us on twitter at politics home or email us via news at politics dot com but for now i've been alan tolhurst and this has been the rundown